Get that good note. Get that good note. Hey guys, welcome back to Capacity to Geek Podcast. I'm Alex, and I'm joined as always with my friends Bobby and Walter. Why don't you guys say something? Something. How's everybody doing today? So, welcome back to our second episode. We had a really fun time recording our first episode, so we're still here. Still standing, guys. And uh, Bobby, you seem a little upset in the studio today. Why don't you talk about what we're discussing today? So, we were tasked with watching Invader Zim enter the Florpus, which I thought would be a good time, but being the chief researcher on this podcast... That's mainly because none of us do any more research than he does. I'm going to be honest, there's literally nothing to research. The movie was so far removed from the source material. Like, cool, you had a few little references to, like, season four of Invader Zim. You have tax ship toward the end of the movie. It's just not Invader Zim. Besides that, how are you guys doing this week? Terrible, thanks for asking. I feel pretty all right. How are you doing, Alex? I'm doing pretty all right, too. You know, I'm editing the first episode and everything, really get into the groove of this. Uh, just so you guys are all aware, we aren't releasing this podcast until we have five episodes completed. So this technically was recorded five weeks ago. So grain of salt with that, you know, it's a weekly show. But uh, Invader Zim, where do you guys fall on this show as a whole, like, just growing up with it? I know uh, I remember when it was first premiered, and me and my cousin used to watch it all the time, but I just remember kind of being into it, but also kind of not really going into it when I was a kid, at least. It definitely got a big cult following when it, it was in the later 2000s, the whole scene phase and you know my space oh. and everything it definitely oh, yeah. picked up there but... i remember it premiering but i also remember enjoying the series it premiered alongside a lot more premiered i believe same night as fairly odd parents and that's a show that i really liked growing up invaders in not as much i did watch it but and i appreciate its place in in uh, pop culture it's definitely a big deal like you said amongst the scene kids off kids very influential there and i think a lot of it's because of elements that weren't in the movie right you used to go into a hot topic and you'd just see everything in reader zim especially gur got uh, gur got a lot of merchandising and everything especially just the whole lol random kind of culture there but uh bobby you're being awfully quiet here so i'll be completely honest around the year that this was released i was not a nickelodeon kid I, i was all about the cartoon network tsunami i was about that life as far as Nickelodeon goes, cool, Fairly Odd Parents. Loved it, enjoyed it. Invader Zim watched some of it, didn't really keep up with it. It was a little too edgelordy for me. But other than that, like, I was all about, like, you know, more adult stuff on Cartoon Network. I would definitely say with the whole edgy stuff, I would say that this show, Invader Zim, was probably Nickelodeon's uh, counter to uh, Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. I love it, show. Yeah, yeah. They both dealt with kind of gothic, dark kind of supernatural things and didn't pull punches. I mean, I remember one episode where, uh, and this one actually got a lot of controversy too, where Zim harvested organs from different people in the school to try and pass a health exam. And just by the end of it, he's just this fat, just globular Walter-like mess. I think, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think I remember that episode. Uh, No, but like like I said, it had some controversy. I mean, there was uh, a murderer and everything. I, I forget who he murdered exactly, but his friends said that he probably got the inspiration from that episode because I, I don't want to go into it too much. This is a family show, but uh, yeah, definitely there was definitely some scrutiny and some right. just very dark Im- imagery with uh, Invader Zim. Another episode that I definitely remember too is uh, 
where Zim tries to make a friend with this really awkward kid. I think at the end he ends up gouging his eyes out or something like that. Or like a squirrel mauls him or something. I just have very vivid memories of that episode. Invader Zim was really the only show Nickelodeon did that really... Not the only one that pushed the boundaries because Ren and Stimpy definitely pushed the boundaries, but in like a different way. Invader Zim was the only one that really pushed the boundaries in kind of a disturbing way rather than just really out there humor like Ren and Stimpy did. You, know, you, you guys all have to keep in mind too. This is the same. This is the same creator who came out with Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Oh yeah, Johan Vasquez. He uh, definitely was kind of like that. What was the What was the name of that guy? Uh, he'd tell like really gothic versions of fairy tales. American <laughs> McGee. That just in that same generation of just you know the hot topic emo scene kids oh, yeah. and everything it was just American McGee. It was Invader Zim. It was yeah. uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Tim Burton. Oh my God. Oh my every. God. I could go into a whole rant on how this generation has completely misinterpreted the entirety of A Nightmare Before Christmas. Walter, you should stop yourself. Somebody's going to Is that why you didn't want to record today, Bob? Because you were afraid your views on this uh, TV movie were going to be too much for our audience? <laughs> well, yeah, for the most part. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. I love A Nightmare Before Christmas. It's it's one of the most unique Dis- Disney movies ever made. It's the but most it's not a love story. <laughs> And everyone paints it as a love story. It's the most Tim burton movie that Tim Burton, that Tim burton didn't make. I know. And it's... Everybody attributes it. It's Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas, but he didn't direct it. Henry Selleck, who did James and the Giant Peach. Oh, um, I love James and the Giant Peach. Coraline, which is one of my favorites, I admittedly. Thought, I thought Coraline was a Burton. No, no. He actually had no involvement in uh, Coraline. Wow. It was Henry Selleck. That, completely. It's such a Tim Burton style to it. No, it's not Tim Burton at all. It's actually uh, Laika, who has that animation style, oh. you know, been doing uh, that stuff for years, uh, for years now. Paranorman, Kubo and the Two Strings, uh, which I love Kubo and the Two Strings. I don't know. Have you guys seen that one? I have not. I oh. haven't yet. My dad watched it, though, and That's he gotta absolutely be an episode. adores it. I adore that movie, too. That's definitely got to be an episode for us to watch, Kubo yeah. and the Two Strings. But oh. um, they also... Uh, Mr. Link, which was the one that they did this year about Bigfoot, and I love cryptozoology, and so uh, I definitely still have to watch that movie, but uh, I'm definitely hopeful for that. But uh, anyway, off topic, because apparently we do not want to talk about this movie, uh, Into the Florpus, or as I wanted to say in one of our bloopers last week, Into the Flopus, before I was correct. I still don't know what a Florpus is even though I watched this movie. You watched it three times, Bobby. Can you explain to me later what a florpus is? <laughs> I mean, I can explain to you right now. It's apparently a big hole in the sky that, like, you know, sucks up other worlds. Right. Apparently. Okay, well, I mean, let's just get into this. So what do we open up to, Bob? We open up to or, uh, Dr. Membrane wants Gaz to get uh, Deb out of his room. And at this point, we find out that Deb has been depressed to the point of morbid, or, uh, morbid obesity. Like, he has become stuck to a chair because... He's obsessively waiting for Zim. Yeah. Do something. Zim has been absent for years at this point. I think they said 12 years? 12 years? They just flat out say 12 years, but no time has passed. Exactly. Like, Dib, Gaz, they're all still the same ages and everything. Well, I guess we weren't really fans of the show, but was Dr. Membrane always part cyborg? Because he does reveal that uh, um, something about his backstory, I forget, like being a friend with a crocodile or something. Crocodile or a shark, something like that. Or a shark, a shark. It was definitely I, a shark. If I remember, though, I watched a couple episodes of the first season of it, and Dr. Membrane did indeed have a robotic arm. Okay. 
All right, well, that's something they went, uh, they definitely took from the show. But one thing they stayed away from the show is that the character of Gaz. Now, the character of Gaz in the original show was kind of just this very bratty, very uh, to herself, very quiet, just kind of like just a goth girl. But in this one, she seems very supportive of her brother Dib, very nice to him. Yeah. I think she says she only makes fun of Dib because he she knows that he can take it. But as soon as she sees that he can't take it, that's when she becomes supportive of him, which is nothing like Gaz in the original show. Gaz was always just spiteful and hateful towards Dib, towards everything, really. Right. There's an episode where she stalked a kid all the way to a mall and basically left him for dead because he took the last game uh, console that she wanted to buy. And we can talk about the animation in a bit, but we see her eyes entirely too much in this show, yeah. in this episode. One thing I noticed, like, I also watched a couple episodes of season four. One thing that I noticed toward the end of the series, though, is for whatever reason, they decided to animate her with, like, fully open eyes more. And apparently they did the same thing in the recent comic book run of Invader Zim, where they showed her eyes a lot, but, like, not nearly as much as in this movie. Right. Right. And, uh, speaking of which, I don't remember if it was you telling me this or, uh, I think I watched Rebel Taxi's review, which you should check him out on YouTube. He does some pretty good animation reviews and stuff. A lot of the new animation and everything is taken from this comic that Johan was definitely involved in. He wrote the comic and everything. And he wrote this movie. You know, he's still the director of this movie. But, uh, yeah, it definitely takes, off, it takes on more of the comic than uh, it does with the original show. Which begs the question, is this a reboot? Or is this a movie adaption of the comics? From what a lot from a lot of what I've been reading on it, I think it's more of an adaptation of the comics. I wouldn't call it a reboot, mainly for the fact that I don't think Johan Vasquez wanted to make it a reboot. He just wanted it to be its own standalone thing. Like he wanted a good standalone Invader Zim work, not just like something that's taking a lot out of the original series. Right. But if that's the case, why not just make another original work? I mean, the reason why Invader Zim was so popular, the, the reason it lined shelves at Hot Topic is because it did have that dark, atmospheric, satirical, just aesthetic to it. Yeah. You know? One thing I kept saying when we were watching this film together, because just a little background, we record current episodes on Tuesdays, and then on Wednesdays, we get together and we watch what we're going to watch next as a unit. We try our best not to talk about it. We also try our best not to talk during it, Walter. But, I mean, yeah. Could, some... could, could you blame me with this last one? Okay, I, I'll give you a pass this time. Next week I'll tell you if he shuts up during our next one. caught myself saying a lot during our first viewing of this that a lot of what I remember from Invader Zim were kind of the quiet, atmospheric moments where it is just the score going off yeah. and maybe the characters are walking through a dark hallway or, or there's something behind them or everything but it's just dark and atmospheric yeah. but with this movie everybody is either yelling or there's an explosion or there's just something like that going on and it's honestly kind of distracting and it really makes this entry in the franchise just seem a lot weaker from that it just seems like if Johan wanted to do something different with Invader Zim, but remove all the good things about the original Invader Zim, then maybe he should have just made an entirely new installment. Yeah, I think a lot of what I felt was wrong with this film was it didn't feel like Invader Zim. It not only did it not have the quiet moments where it would have been, like you said, walking down a hallway, doing whatever, or like Zim going through his plans and like, 
attempting his plans, which a lot of that, if I remember in the original series, was usually silent with just the score. Right. And also, another thing that this show was missing, which I think was a big part of the original series, was the really biting, hard-hitting social commentary. Well, moving along, we hardly even talked about Zim yet. It, this really does seem like a Dib story. Oh, yeah. Zim yes. definitely takes a back seat. Dib, or Zim, more or less plays just the straight-up villain role, and right. Dib is the conventional hero. Right, and I know they do switch that up sometimes in the actual show, where sometimes Dib never even appeared in an episode, where um, sometimes it's just Zim trying to, what would the word be, Zim trying to... Like assimilate himself assimilate into Earth life? Right, where Zim would try to assimilate himself into Earth life, but also that's where a lot of the humor came, where it's the fish out of water... Yeah. Where um, there's an episode where they watch basically War of the Worlds and Zim gets upset because he thinks that germs can kill him. But uh, that doesn't end up being the case, I don't believe. But um, yeah, so... But the thing about that is, you know, Dib and Zim are definitely the central characters. It can be argued that there were some episodes with Gurr and Gaz. I mean, like I said, that episode where Gaz stalks the kid for the video game console, I believe Zim's not even in that episode, from what I remember. We'd have, I'd have to go back and look, but... I'm sure it was just Dib and Gaz there. But going back onto the topic of the story, uh, it turns out Zim wasn't really doing anything himself. He was just trying to hide from Dib or something like that in a toilet? Yes, in his uh, official hiding room. Was it was a, uh, a, a portable toilet? A portable And um, yeah, so eventually they meet face to face. Dib is basically just a giant glob of just grossness. He smells terrible. He can hard, He's in a chair. Yeah. He the muscles on his legs have uh, atrophied. atrophied to the point where he can't even walk. Right. And I think this little sequence right here is the part of the movie that like had the most humor to me because of especially the little sequence where it was Dib got way too out of shape, then he got way too in shape, and, and then, then he, he met himself in the middle. Yeah. I, I thought that was really funny. Without getting ahead of ourselves, though, um, while Dib is getting pumped up and everything, Zim is trying to remember what his plan was. The thing is that he doesn't remember what his plan was. Zim kind of hatches a new plan, where he realizes that the Almighty Tallists... He realizes that the Almighty Tallist, which is a group of taller Urken aliens that sent him on this mission all those years ago to try and invade Earth, mainly just to get rid of him. They don't really like him that much, and they just wanted to be rid of him. Invader Zim was just the worst. He was. I'll hail Invader Jen. Yeah, Lee Springs Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Zim's plan is to send the Earth in the direction of the Mighty Tallest ship using this new wristband-like technology that Dr. Membrane invented for Peace Day, which is also kind of like an Apple tech demo. Pretty much, but we can get to why that is in a little bit. Okay. All right, I'm excited. You okay. <laughs> but um, that does bring up kind of like a point where I was saying a lot of the jokes and everything, kind of like what I said last week at Rocco's Modern Life, are actually a little bit dated, just like the whole Apple humor, everything about it. And, uh, you know, but you brought up a point when you were watching it last week. This, like Rocco, was actually completed a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was actually, the script completed in 2015. 2015. Wow. We're currently in 2019. So four years. Yes. Why did this take four years to get released? There's a variety of reasons. Um, there were a bunch of retakes done with the 
animation. The animation was actually outsourced primarily to Maven Animation Studios out of South Korea, and then finished by Nickelodeon Animation Studios with retake consultation done by Renegade. So there were three separate players in the creation of this one movie that didn't come out until four years after the fact. And that's not really a good sign when there's too many books in the kitchen. Yes. Right. Which, yeah. I mean, I get it. A lot of animation nowadays is outsourced. It's just the way that people do things. It's cheaper. It's more efficient than getting it done in-house because you're not doing it yourself. It's not the original. It's yes. not Johan Animation <laughs> did with the original show. And it was pretty clear because the animation style just seemed off. Like I said earlier, the part of the choppy animation is really part of the charm of Invaders. Oh, and yeah. the, the original Invader Zim where it just looked like a crude drawing and it just made all the gross, disgusting imagery. Just all that more creepy. Right, and we didn't get a lot of that in this TV movie, too. I can't really remember the name of the character, but there is a fake clone dad that Zim revealed was going to be for another one of his plans to get back at Deb, but he never ended up using it. After he kidnaps Dr. Membrane, he uses the clone character to basically keep Deb and Gaz hostage knowing that they're the only ones that can thwart his plan. Boys, have you noticed something during this entire conversation we've had? We haven't said the word florpus yet. Because it was like three quarters of the way through the movie before they even right. it's like talked the... about what the florpus is. So basically the florpus, as Bobby did say earlier, it is a hole torn in the fabric of space thanks to moving an entire planet. But by moving an entire planet to another part of space, you tear a hole into... The space uh, into space and it's called a florpus and what the florpus does once you get into it it basically destroys you by throwing you into several different multiverses at once yes which we do get a pretty good a cool scene later in the movie where uh during the final climax they just go to different animation styles literally best part of the because we're not looking at that bad animation that they chose like and then the claymation world the uh the world where they're dogs the production ig world as i would like to call it the little anime sequence yeah right. um just a ton of different animation styles which is pretty cool. Which we kind of do foreshadow that in the beginning. Didn't they open it up with kind of like yes. an anime-like oh, yeah, yes, thing? We didn't did. talk about that. But that was a pretty cool sequence, I'll have to yeah. admit. Even though I'm not the resident weed in the room. Nobody can see this, but I'm looking at Bobby. I mean, really, this man over here, shout out Mo, wearing the what, Mob Psycho 100 shirt. Yes, we actually do have a guest in the booth today. We have my uh, cousin Mo here oh. talking to us about a possible D&D campaign we're going over so we do have a guest in the audience thank you for pointing that out bob so yeah so pretty cool anime sequence and uh so it's a race against the clock because the earth is falling into the florpus which will eventually destroy the earth so it's up to dib gaz and professor membrane to stop zim once and for all because he's finally revealed himself as an alien to the earth and he believes that he's enslaving the earth and he believes that everybody's afraid of him but nobody's really paying attention to him because of the giant florpus hole. Right. Everyone's afraid of that, but he thinks they're all afraid of it. They eventually figure out how to get Earth back into its regular rotation using the wristband device from earlier. I'll be honest with you. Zim hacks into the wristband device, and there's like this globby creature on it. I thought that was going to be the florpus. I mean, that is a solid point to make because, let's face it, they weren't readily telling us whatever the hell a florpus was, and I think I'm asking for us. People might say, oh, that's the mystery of what the florpus is, but honestly, I might just attribute that one to bad writing. 
yeah, I don't really think it's the best way to write a film to have the namesake of the film not even show up till about, what, three quarters of the way through the movie? Right. And to be honest, I don't think they actually enter the Florpus. There's like, they're at the edge of the Florpus, definitely. Yeah. Earth doesn't completely go into the Florpus. They are in the Florpus. Okay, I'll give it that. They do enter the Florpus. But, uh... But it's just the tip. Just the tip, yes. <laughs> anyway, the day is saved. Uh, one thing we never we didn't really mention is just the conflict between father and son between Dib and Professor Membrane here. Professor Membrane is a man of science, but he doesn't believe his son when he says that Zim is an alien and he's trying to take over the world. To the point where, at the end of the movie, he kind of doesn't believe him still and thinks that the entire situation was a dream, yeah, or a hallucination. But the thing is that Professor Membrane, he's not very scientific himself. I mean, he has these robot arms that he can do a Kamehameha wave thing. Yeah, that was definitely an anime reference. So the film kind of ends like that, where things are kind of just returning to the normal. For some reason, Zim wasn't apprehended or anything for his deeds. Instead, he was just like, oh, hey, guess what? Joke's on you. I actually won. I stole your dumb little doll thing. Dog statue. I don't even know what it was at this point. But he's still, like nonchalantly just said, oh yeah, Phase 2 was a success. He didn't even know what Phase 2 was in the long run. I feel like Invader Zim, as a character, and as this movie, doesn't know when it's defeated. We actually do get one kind of resolution point where we find out where Zim inadvertently caused probably the death of the Urkin Empire. I think really that just brings the entire series to a close. Yeah, right. like, I can't really call it a reboot. They, they went, killed off the tallest. They went directly into the Florpus. Yeah, because they only drive in a straight line, and turning is boring to them. <laughs> Just like watching this movie <laughs> wasn't the best experience for I, any of us. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 100. How? It's only 15 reviews. Uh, apparently, like, the general consensus has been that people have liked the movie. Maybe we're just the outliers here. We did admittedly not have a good connection with this show growing up. But it's... I feel like if I had a good connection with the show, I'd be more upset with it because it wouldn't be the same, or even, like, remotely the same. At least with what we talked about last week, Rocco's Modern Life, yeah, it may not have been exactly the same, but it kept the same animation style, kept the kept a lot of the same, like, notes. The characters didn't drastically change in their motivations or their characteristics, where here, I feel a lot of them did. And I think I do have a solid explanation for that. In an interview that I read with Jan Vasquez, he didn't want to include a lot of the nostalgic things that we enjoyed about the series because he himself despises nostalgia. He thinks that nostalgia is way too distracting. Like, he brought up watching Rogue One, um, not being, like, you know, a huge Star Wars fan, but he still grew up with Star Wars. He was, he felt that the nostalgia, like, the nostalgia that that movie gave out, like, all the references and stuff to the older Star Wars films was just there. Like, it was just there to distract him. He just wanted a good standalone story to watch. He wanted to enjoy the story. He didn't need any of those extra cameos or extra little tidbits of nostalgia. And maybe, maybe I'm just remembering the movie wrong, but I remember Rogue One as being a really good standalone story, like, apart from little callbacks. Oh, yeah. I mean, besides it ending literally four minutes before the actual Star Wars movie begins, uh, I would say that Rogue One 
is definitely my favorite in the Disney era of Star yeah. Wars or after D23 uh, a week ago is now called The Age of Rebellion because it is a prequel to the first Star Wars, so it would be in The Age of Rebellion. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, I am looking forward to that Cassian series. I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. And Disney Plus. And maybe I'm in the minority here, but I've really enjoyed everything that Disney has produced in the Star Wars franchise. Yeah. the I feel like that's a topic for another day. Yeah. So, 50 points to Mr. Vasquez for enjoying Rogue One, but hating the nostalgia callbacks. Let's take those away, though, for this movie, though, because... They weren't there. They weren't there. No. Well, Bobby, Walter, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having us. I'm never watching that movie again. No, never. I think that's all we have. Guys, any final thoughts? Any final words? Apparently, a lot of people enjoyed this movie more than we did. Oh, yeah. And you guys, have a good one. We'll see you then. Pause for coffee. <clears throat> <clears throat> Alright, thanks. Okay, go. <laughs> <laughs> really, it looked like both of you guys were about to chop at the pants there, but... I'm sorry, I just, just noticed your mom talking. What'd she say? Oh, nothing, it was just too close. Like the perfect like time to like just pause and be quiet. Oh my God. All right, all right. Uh, okay, uh, jump back in. Go. I'll say something. Uh, I'm trying to be silent and not tell the phone, but I'll point it out. That's all right. You'll probably just make it to the blooper reel. Great. <laughs> all right. Anyway.